What is going on, beautiful podcast family? I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you are doing tremendous, and I'm sending you all of my prayers and well wishes to you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love and care about. We've got a phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have the founders of Little Luminaries on, Marissa Bilbo and Chrissy Sunflower, and we are talking about empowering children and the future of education. Uh, We talk about their Little Luminaries deck, which I use with my daughter, which is absolutely amazing. The wisdom of the otter, the three universal fears, uh, social emotional learning, uh, mindfulness, the formula for truth, uh, learning styles, depression school system, experience-based training. So basically this is an exploration and what can we do to shape and mold the minds of children and what they're up to at Little Luminaries, which I think is absolutely phenomenal and we need much more of. If you enjoy this episode, please share it far and wide, become a member, sign up for the email list, uh, consider leaving a review on iTunes. If you want to work with me personally, you can just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com check me out on social media mostly telegram because everything is pretty shadow banned and banned but there is the zen athlete program the soul compass helping you define and know who you truly are from your authentic self and and designing your life using all the best tools and spirituality peak for performance while navigating all the challenges of life that comes with it. So if you're interested in any of that, just hit me up or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. So as always, the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. But uh, let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into this amazing episode. As this airs, I will probably be traveling Italy. And uh, so if I'm a little bit slow in my communication, that's why and hope to return and do some phenomenal shows uh, very soon because we got a lot queued up. So anyway, Anyway, let's dive into this amazing episode and come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being. And get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Marissa and Sunflower. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and consider becoming a member for free or by donation. But the best thing you can do to support this program is to consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guests are two artsy friends, a teacher and a self-mastery mentor, both with a passion for mental wellness and empowering kids with the science-backed tools to grow into healthy, happy, and heart-centered adults. Their mindfulness toy, I Can Be Anything, is being shared through over 40 retailers across the U.S. Welcome to the show, Marissa and Sunflower. Hello, hello. Hello. (laughs) It's great to have you guys here. You know, I love what you guys are doing. You were kind enough to send me this, uh, you call it a toy, but it's like this inspirational deck of cards that my daughter, she's two, she absolutely loves. And as a parent now, I'm looking for those types of things, you know, those types of ways to empower children and looking into uh, personal development and self-help and affirmations. I wonder how do we bring these tools to children? Because there's that quote I remember, it's like, uh, give me the boy until he's six and i'll show you the man i think it was like aristotle something along that or seven and so i feel like that's what your product is doing uh, but you guys are doing a lot more than that so why don't you guys um just share a little bit about who you are and what you're working on today yes we are so so grateful that your daughter has the i can be anything deck um because we're just really passionate about getting it into hands of children so that they have the tools. I know Marissa and I both feel the same way that like 
we wish we had the tools that this deck shares. It's like, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about getting to connect with in this place. <laughs> Marissa, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I have a new daughter as well. I have an almost two-year-old and I'd always been really invested and passionate about supporting children. I have a background in education and have worked in the classroom as a teacher, um, specifically with students with special needs and have seen how kids lack that confidence and really just don't feel like they have a lot to contribute or bring to the conversation. And they feel oftentimes stifled or anxiety riddled. And um, we just really wanted to plant these seeds of empowerment within children. Everybody comes to the table with something to offer. And for a lot of us, it takes a lifetime to figure that out. Um, so even in developing these cards, there were so many aspects of my brain that were saying like, no, you can't do that. Or this is going to be challenging or you're not good enough. And rewriting that story, like we have something to share that is transformational and everyone else does as well. So the, I can be anything deck really. So, so basically it's 45 animal affirmation cards. I know that you use them with your little one as well. And each affirmation plays into a different aspect of a child realizing their full potential and celebrating that gift. So, you know, we love playing around with this deck. Sometimes we um, pull cards even for ourselves as adults. It's a ton of fun. But connecting back to that mind, body, spirit, we really believe like enacting these affirmations through play, through moving our body, through practicing affirmations out aloud, um, through connecting, we're able to really internalize these core beliefs and we do it all through animals so so many children that I know in my life love and have a really true connection with nature and earth and animals and helping them to um, recognize these higher level concepts in a more bite-sized way Um, we're able to to help kids understand a little better how how brightly they shine and how much they have to offer Oh, that's amazing. Well, I know with my daughter, she loved the deck and we just kept going through and she wanted to read it, right? There's one of them where it's, I'm brave like the lion and we can bring it up. And she's really internalizing uh, like the affirmation as you do as an adult, right? If you're trying to use affirmations or, or positive mindset tools, it's kind of the same thing, but you're ingraining this. And that's the important thing is ingraining these character traits into children. Um, because it, once you have it from once it's in there, it's hard to get out, right? So when you look at shadow work and things like that, these are all these past beliefs and traumas and limitations that it takes years as an adult to kind of get over. But if you can empower kids with these proper tools right away, it's it's in it's just something that's going to be in there forever. And I love like the action step. So she's always uh, excited to play it. It's done in a fun way. And I'd, I'd be curious, you know, why did you guys um, – feel inspired to create this like what was the mission and what was the intent and what do you hope to do with this deck and maybe future things that you're looking to create yeah so for me the big inspiration came through as a you know self-mastery mentor and spending so many years supporting adults and realizing like through that journey of how tightly these limiting beliefs and these brain patterns get woven and the rewiring process and and feeling like, wow, like there's this opportunity to share these tools that I'm, you know, as a coach sharing with, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds who have already lived a lifetime of 
thoughts that are not supporting them stepping into their best self. And like this golden opportunity of handing those codes to a child who then gets to, I mean, ages one through eight, they say that your brain is growing the fastest. And so it's an opportune time to wire the brain connected to these affirmations. You know, I am resilient like the lizard. I am expansive like the giraffe. I am confident like the toucan. And then they start to really say these and repeat these affirmations and it gets ingrained in their mind. And so it feels so important because believing in yourself and loving yourself is I think some of the most important medicine that we can be instilling in these, these young minds. Um, so just, yeah, feeling so excited about, um, where this is, where this is going. And actually Marissa and I were talking about how it would be really fun to kind of kick this off and pull an animal for you today and see what message wants to come through. Does that feel exciting? Sure. Yeah. Pull one. <laughs> so we've got all of the, all of the animal affirmation cards right here and just gonna lay them out in front of me and then Matt I'm gonna have you close your eyes <sighs> let's take three deep breaths together <sighs> and then maybe just thinking about the question Matt what message feels important to you today? What animal has a message for you? And I'm going to run my fingers across these cards and you just tell me when to stop. Stop. I am resourceful like the <laughs> otter. <laughs> Look at these little guys. And I know Marissa's going to share a little bit about the otter that feels so apropos for you matt as as um new as we are in our relationship i feel like you've got all these like tentacles out there in the world absorbing things taking them all in and and taking new messages from it and going forward so i'm going to read a little bit of our animal section Splish splash, playful otters love diving, playing and exploring. Living in oceans and rivers in the United States and Canada, otters show us how to have fun while we're learning. These sleek swimmers are so smart, they learn to use tools to make their lives a little easier. They love to eat mussels, clams, urchins and crabs, which are delicious, but protected by hard shells. Resourceful otters solve this dilemma by using rocks to open their snacks. Just like we might use a can opener for soup or scissors to open packaging, sea otters float on their backs with food on their bellies and use their rock to smash the shell until it breaks open. Scientists have found some otters find a favorite rock and keep it for their whole lives, hiding it in a special pouch in their armpits when they aren't using it. So this section just gives kids and adults so much knowledge and so much excitement around really complex terms like being resourceful. That's like a word I don't think I used until sixth or seventh grade. And then there's a play section to embody that. Otters are resourceful, which means that they're clever and invent new ways to use materials. Practice using your imagination to be resourceful by finding new materials in your life. Discover what you can make with recycled cardboard or other items in your house, or try holding your favorite resource under your armpit for a few hours. 
The next time you find a new solution to challenging problems in your life, fellow, I am resourceful like the otter. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love the combination of, you know, the information about the animal, right? Because the kids love that. And then there's a task where they can put that character trait into action, right? And so if she needs to do something, you know, TV, I'm not a big fan of, so we want to limit that. And you have to figure out ways for them to get engaged into other activities. And this one is something that's super easy for, her. Um, you know, the, the concept of trying to empower kids in, I guess, the most powerful way possible we're looking at transforming kids making you know turning them into powerful adults um what do you guys see as like the biggest transformations that need to take place in the school system or kids education because uh, as we kind of chatted a little bit briefly i go down all the rabbit holes and there's a lot of agendas out there which i don't think are helpful for kids i think they're um you know really really disempowering and part of that was masking kids and we look at all the harm that came from that there's a lot of studies out now they're putting reading back facial recognition all this different stuff from these different tools this isn't empowering kids and giving them you know the best platform for success as an adult and i'd be curious uh, what you guys have come across and what you'd like to see yeah so ultimately it feels like connection and communication are two of the most vital seeds for kids to plant and nurture and water to become more empowered adults. Recognizing where are the similarities, how can we connect and move forward together and being able to vocalize that and share that in a way that feels constructive moving forward. So a lot of the things that we're looking in schools to support students is, um, practicing respect with one another and trust building and working towards finding conflict resolution tools that aren't just coming up against each other and butting heads, but rather opening the communication and opening the conversation as to how can we move forward and make progress to solve these problems together. You wanna to add to that, Chrissy? Yeah, um, connection and communication. I mean, that feels like it's everything. And I know for me, historically, my experience in school, I wasn't taught how to authentically connect with human, like with my peers or with people. It, it was like that, that really felt like it was missing. And, and then the communication piece, I've actually been studying for a while now, um, nonviolent communication. Like often they call it NVC or like compassionate connection. And this has been such a powerful tool in my life. Um, um, so let's see. I'll just send you a voice. Oh. <laughs> I, you, I, didn't, I didn't mean to disrupt your train of thought. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically this, um, this tool has really supported me as an adult in being able to communicate with like, and have the tough conversations because uh, you know, it really feels like that was something that I never learned. And I know one big part of NVC is like starting out with looking at a situation without judgment, which it has been said that when we can look at something and, and just strictly observe it without evaluation or judgment, it's one of the most powerful, like intelligent ways that we can navigate the world. And so like the structure of NVC 
really shows that you take a situation that, you know, transpired, you share it with maybe the person it transpired with without judgment, which you really have to bring that awareness piece in because it's so easy to judge a such, you know, you, we put our filters on and we've got all these filters. Um, and so we put, we put these filters on and then that immediately can put someone in the defense and create separation. And so tools like NVC allow for people to actually become, feel closer to each other, like through a conversation that would typically divide them. And so you're observing the situation, you're connecting with your feelings, which I feel like in my experience of living this life, I never, like we, I didn't have access to all these feelings and it really wasn't supported to be a sensitive being and to have all these feelings. A lot of times I think it was like, oh, like, no, put that away. Don't cry. Don't, you know, don't feel your feels. And so it's been so inspiring to like, see all of the the possible feelings we can have and then connecting those feelings because typically when we have a feeling it's connected to a need an unmet need and so through nvc you're really identifying the unmet need and your they, they call it like you have your giraffe ears on and you're listening to other people and no matter what they're saying they could be yelling at you being like you know, what the beep, like, you're the worst, da, 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 da. And it's all about being able to look beyond those words and really identify the precious unmet need that is underneath the chaos of what the person is saying and being able to then connect with them about that unmet need and have them be in a space of really feeling held and seen. And I think this kind of thing for our children, like I know there are giraffe schools, that's what they call them, giraffe schools out there that are teaching NVC as a basis. It feels like a fun foundational uh, tool that, I mean, I know I want to raise my kids learning that. Um, And so, yeah, just speaking into that connection and and uh, that connection piece and communication piece, like the most important thing we can do is be able to efficiently communicate with one another because that's everything. And we're communicating all day long with our families, with our friends, with the people that we're working with. And if we can actually access more compassion and be able to create that connection through our language, through what we're saying, then the world is just going to be so much more wonderful and, and we're going to create so much more harmony. So that's kind of how I, I wanted to um, share on that particular one. But uh, the next one that we feel is really important and fundamental is self-love. And this is something that that is just, I mean, words can't even describe how important it is to plant seeds of self-love in our children so that they grow up from an early age loving themselves. I mean, it's honestly my wish for the whole world is that they take a path to really cultivating unconditional self-love because when a human 
loves themselves, I think that their capacity to love everything else, love the people around them, love the animals, love the planet is just so enhanced. And so self-love all day long, like believing in yourself, loving yourself, respecting yourself, and really making sure anything that's going on upstairs is, is spoken to yourself with love and appreciation and just tenderness. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's incredibly fundamental. And I was um, on a podcast yesterday and I've been, it's been coming up a lot in my coaching group is that uh, it's interesting that our internal dialogue 90 for 95% of people is negative. It's not a supportive internal dialogue. It's not a supportive internal world. It's very harsh and it's very critical. Why isn't it the most supportive thing in the world? And I feel like this can be conditioned and trained in a balanced way to be constructively, uh, you know, to be constructive and realistic, uh, but also supportive and forgiving of mistakes and compassionate, almost if like, you know, you were, you were speaking to your own child or you're speaking to a best friend, how would you speak to them? How would you support them? Usually for people, that's not what's going on in their inner world. And I'm reminded of uh, this uh, education by Greg Braden, who talks about these three universal fears, which is fear of uh, not being good enough or not being loved. Or I, I think it also means like lack of self-worth, uh, fear of trusting and surrendering and fear of abandonment and separation. And when we understand those basic um, ideas and fears as almost universal for everybody, we can then um, deconstruct that and empower and encode what the solution is uh, for kids. So I'd love to hear, uh, Marissa, if you have anything to add on to that. Yeah, I think you said that so perfectly. I think whenever <clears throat> we're, you know, sharing those negative words with ourselves, that's what we're spewing out into the world and everything just gets muckier and darker and, and more challenging. So we want to give our children the opportunities to be knowledgeable and take everything in, but then be critical and analyze going forward and producing that through a positive um, feeling of oneness, like a connection. So as uh, Sunflower was sharing earlier, those early years, kids' brains are like tiny little sponges. They're just taking everything in. They're so sensitive to other people's energies. They're like little, you know, looking around at their role models and trying to act similarly. So during those couple of years, that's when we just need to shower them with love, shower them with affirmation, shower them with opportunities to be exposed to so many beautiful things in the world. Um, and I think, you know, we could keep coming back to nature. That's such a big one feeling, feeling like this is, this belongs to us and we need to take care of the earth is a huge one that Christy and I feel so passionately about. I know we'll talk some more about that in a second. Um, and then after that, you know, I think the recognition that this isn't done in isolation from what's happening in the rest of the world. So you can be the best parents in the world, but kids are absorbing from other places as well. It's really the, the responsibility of the entire community to help to lift kids up and expose them to positive, productive things. So teachers, community members, the media, all of those things are affecting how children are seeing themselves and how they're portraying their own feelings out there. And then after that, kids like, you know, they've taken this all in and they're ready to share their own thoughts. And so validating those expressions and um, helping to empower whatever children are saying, helping to give them the opportunity to be on their own authentic journey. I think we were talking a little earlier about traditional school settings and how there's this kind of like assembly line approach of dropping in all this knowledge and now you're going to be ready for that job where you need to stay in your lane rather 
now giving kids the opportunity to follow their own path of discovery and um, have really authentic, uh, really like opportunities to authentically pursue their passions um, and, and pursue that venture. So yeah, that's kind of where we see like the path <laughs> for, for, for seeking a place where as adults, kids can connect, can be educated and can be passionate and uh, look for connection and oneness going forward with the world. Yeah. And, you know, right now, I think with education, uh, it's really divided. I think a lot of the, the world is, is really divided on points of view on uh, beliefs and how to raise kids and all these different things. And now we're seeing a massive increase in homeschooling. And I remember doing the law summit, one of the guys said, uh, don't give your kids to a Roman school and, and and expect them not to come back a Roman. So, you know, public education from a positive standpoint, you could say is doing the best that they can, uh, but there is a curriculum that comes down and maybe you have uh, different points of view on the world. And so it's going to come to the, the parent, but I love what you said to the community to educate. Um, but there's all these influences in our communities. And so for me, one of the things I learned a long time ago is environment is also a huge indicator of the growth of an individual, right? So if you want to be the best athlete in the world, which is my background, you know, for snowboarding, I need to put myself where the best athletes in the world are. It's going to increase my probability or like-minded people who have the same values and the same thing. So then you're going to grow together in a conducive environment. So I feel like that's a really important thing to consider. And I'm curious, is this where you get into social emotional learning? Because when I looked at education and I was getting into, um, you know, hypnosis and mindset and consciousness, and I got in the word of John Gatta, who was teacher of the year for a few years, and then wrote uh, a lot of books and, and information on how this isn't teaching people to empower themselves, to think critically, right? It's teaching them, it's a... Uh, Oh, shoot. What is it? It's basically the military education system where you're looking to authority also not for yourself. There's always someone outside of you that's the authority. You're not bringing the thinking and the ownership and the accountability in your own world to then, you know, create your own formation and ideas about the world that's kind of given unto you. And then you don't question that. Right? You get a, uh, shoot, I'm going to find, find the word later. But I'm just curious if you can speak a little bit about social emotional learning, because that's a big thing in education that I learned through martial arts where they didn't, they didn't have anything in education. And that's why I wrote Zen Athlete was because I wanted to trick and empower kids through the self-mastery tools about visualization, about beliefs, about uh, their internal dialogue, about quieting the mind through sport because they're excited to get better at sport, right? But if you just tell them this stuff as a kid, they're like, come on, I want to go play and shoot a basketball. But if you say, hey, you're going to get better at it. It's one way to inspire them, just like music, right? Which has really been diminished over the years. Music and the arts, they're, they're not giving the same type of uh, importance as I think they want, once were. So I'm curious if you guys can speak about uh, social emotional learning. <laughs> you want to go for that, Chrissy? Uh, I feel like you have such a depth okay. of knowledge on social emotional learning. I kind of feel, Matt, like you provided this beautiful, perfect entry point because I think it goes back to what they're passionate about and following that journey. So whether it's music or whether it's athleticism or something totally different. Um, I think just providing children with different opportunities to explore is a big one um, and, and produce their knowledge in a really creative way. Oftentimes I think we think, oh, I'm not creative or I am creative. That means I can paint a pretty picture. And there's so much more to that. It's not just the artistic um, like paintbrush 
approach, but rather maybe producing something through a STEM computer program or robotics, or there's all these other avenues that I think are coming to light more and more. And we need to be really cognizant of allowing each child to pursue their own journey and really give value to whatever that is. If that's like, I want to go stare at bugs all day. Cool. You go check out some bugs because there's a lot more science to that and a lot more harmony within that. So I think, I, I think helping to empower children is huge. And then within the social emotional curriculum, again, finding where the places where we are similar, where the places where we can connect or where we can absorb knowledge from someone and, you know, move along the continuum to continue to better ourselves as a whole. Um, and, and going back to nature, I think is a really pertinent part of the conversation. Um, as we shared, our affirmation cards all have to do with different animals. And another area that Christy and I feel so passionate about is nature and protecting our ecosystem, protecting our earth. Um, as you shared, Matt, I think kids are going to put a lot of effort and energy into the things that they value and that they want to protect. And we need to make sure children recognize that this earth needs to be protected, that, you know, the rate that we're going, it's not going to be around for too long. So um, we're actually working on a new game. It's called Hi! And uh, it's a collaborative sustainability game that we're going to be launching very soon. We actually have a Kickstarter coming out next month. And we're working on helping children to learn the curriculum and the um, curricular knowledge about animals, but also to be aware of what's going on in the world, what negative ramifications are there to our everyday actions of throwing things in the landfill and, you know, using five paper towels to clean up a spill and imparting the wisdom of other approaches. So switching out those uh, daily activities for ways that we can help to ensure a more productive, more sustainable approach for our earth. And of course it's done through play because we know how to get into kids' brains. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be playful. It's gotta be chocolate covered broccoli. <laughs> they don't know they're getting the nutrition on the inside. They're just excited about the chocolate on the outside. <laughs> well, did you want to add to that Chrissy or should I ask you another question? Um, yeah, I would love to add to it. So it feels like Hai, which such a fun name. Hi, kids get to shout that when they save the animals, when they save a habitat. So the whole premise of the game is getting the animals home to their habitat. And you're doing it through a variety of different fun ways, like acting it out, drawing it, guessing it. There's one that like you literally, you draw an animal card and you put it on your forehead it's upside down. <laughs> and, and like I well technically I shouldn't know what's here but obviously I can see it but like I wouldn't know what it was and you guys would try to like act it out or describe it to get me to guess and I think the key piece is like it's collaborative and so my experience of the world has been it, it's really been running on power and competition and so what we're really passionate about is shifting this paradigm and creating fun experiences where kids are a team. They're learning what it looks like to work together and cooperate with one another and collaborate because truly together is better. And like together we rise, right? It's like when we come together and we get to 
be expressed in our unique geniuses and co-create something, that's where the magic is. And so we're going to be really instilling these important ways of navigating the world in a collaborative way. So collaboration, like everyone's on, like you're on a team if you're playing the game. And then of course, we're going to have these, these earth conscious act cards that are going to be sharing actionable, easy steps that they can take in their life to feel empowered that they can make a difference. Because I, I know that so many people out there in the world uh, feel like what they do doesn't matter. And, you know, I feel deeply that what we do matters and that everything we buy is a vote and, you know, everything that we're doing is impacting our surroundings. And really, it's like when we all choose to heal ourselves and heal our relationship with ourselves, with our community and with the earth, this is like, it's like the trifecta of healing, right? self community earth when we can create that kind of healing like the like that part of the globe lights up and is healed and so like we just feel like what is going to be shared through this really fun game is going to activate activate these children to to love the earth that that we're living in and to be able to collaborate and work together. And going back to empowerment, like they have the opportunity to make changes, even at 10 years old, even, you know, not being able to vote or spend money or whatever it is, um, that, that little voice in their parents' ear, like, no, don't buy the plastic laundry detergent. Let's buy the whatever. Um, yeah. Let's get true earth. <laughs> Let's not get the big plastic jugs and like send those to the landfills. Let's just get true earth and, you know, make everything we do more sustainable. It's like, yeah, it's so great. They have powerful voices. I honestly feel like, like sometimes it's these little, it's these little ones who can invoke the most change because like an adult says it and maybe you don't listen but a child says it and they have a power of like, oh, wow, okay. You know, and, and they're the ones who are, you know, we're really like, th when they're adults, I want them to still be able to go see tigers in the wild. I want them to be able to experience earth in its magnificence. And so, you know, it's, it's really, it's gonna, it starts, it started yesterday. Like we need to be like on it and, and, and making these just daily shifts, you know, getting rid of single use plastics and like making these, making these choices that really do as each individual makes the choice as the whole, it's going to be such a game changer. Well, there's, you know, really important topics in there. I think the one of them is just from competition to collaboration, I think is, is huge in how we view things. Um, also, I remember learning from my Native American friends 
they would just say all my relations, like so respect for everything, for you know your fellow man, for you know the the birds of the sky, and for all the animals. Now I'm not going to go down the dark rabbit hole, but there are um, you know people who have an agenda. So this the climate change agenda is to tax us into death about carbon, which if you look into it is a bunch of nonsense. It's not the solution. But respecting our planet, respecting other people, respecting the animals is it. And I believe the Native Americans have a lot of these solutions, but they can be hijacked um, and then for profit and for diminishing. So that's what the, the plan is with this whole scenario is going to be whatever you buy will be on a carbon footprint. And then you can't do this and this because of all these other things. And um, again, if you look into it, it's a whole another podcast uh, rabbit hole, but it's not ideal. We, what we want to do is focus on solutions, you know, good communication for kids, good empowering themes, but also critical thinking for themselves. And so looking at into the trivium, how do you think, how do you come to a conclusion? How do you have an open conversation? Because, you know, this is on the positive side of things, but for myself as a father, especially of a young daughter and learning martial arts, um, you have to assess threats and when like people are harming you. And so it's seeing these same things and, and being able to have nonviolent communication, uh, being able to hear people completely with non-judgment. But if you intend and are a threat to be able to handle that in a very real way, because this does exist. And I feel like the idea and what happens um, in the negative form when this is expressed is that people are taken advantage of because they're not addressing it. So this goes back to the critical thinking and communication and how you come to a conclusion, which goes to the trivium, which was a few podcasts ago, which is so crucial because the child becomes the authority in themselves. They can make their own assessment. They can still treat a person with respect and have that understanding, um, but the authority isn't outside of them. Right. If they feel something off, if they want to act a certain way, if they want to maintain that respect, but they understand something isn't right, they can go do that. But this re requires all these other character traits, which I believe are in your deck. And it's a great starting place for kids. Um, and then adding all these other elements, right, that we can, you know, really create powerful people so that they can come to their own conclusions. And then we can use reason back and forth. You know what I mean? It's not my way or the highway. It's how have you come to this conclusion? And one thing that I would love um, to see taught to kids is the formula for truth, which if you listen to the show, you hear me talk about it time and time again, where it's uh, you only have your one perspective. And if you think about a uh, zero and 90 degrees, you got A and B, right? So you could say flat earth, round earth. I like that one because it's the total opposite or God exists or atheism, right? Whatever, two pol polar opposites, a square circle, take whatever analogy you want. And rather than um, just saying, you know, 45 degrees is in the middle, saying whatever you think, you already know all that. You seek understanding from the other person's point of view. And that's it. Just seek understanding why they believe. How did they come to that conclusion? Because when you do that with everyone, you're going to learn a little bit that you didn't know. And then you can add that to yours and then you can express your uh, opinion after, but you already know that you've already seen that you've already experienced that you've already thought that. So this is allowing new information. And what this does, it gives you a way bigger gauge for baloney because some people are deceitful on purpose. Some people are doing it by accident because they got the wrong information. And when you're a child, you know, you don't know everything, but as adults, somewhere around 20 years old, you think you know everything, but then usually adults wisen up in 30s, 40s, or 50s and realize they don't know anything, right? They're back to square run. It's just like in our early 20s and 30s, we got to start pretending that we know something. So when we look at everybody with respect, with nonviolent communication, with open-mindedness, but there's also this uh, critical uh, piece, I think, is like this, this reason, and this is in the trivium, 
uh, what reason have you come to this conclusion? What evidence do you have? Is this emotional based or is this, um, you know, can this be easily picked apart? And when we can add all of those together, it's incredibly powerful. And you guys talk about, you know, the three important things we should be teaching children. So have you addressed those or is that something that uh, we still need to communicate on? Because I feel like, you know, get the closer we can get to these fundamental empowering tools for kids. This is how we then have them really start to influence the adults, like you said, in our world, but not in a way that we impress upon them in a way that they take these skills and they make it their own. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Oh, so many good things that you just said. I'm like soaking it all in. Um, yeah, I think that this whole, this whole piece of giving the children the tools that are necessary to be empowered and to be in their power um, is, is so important. And so it feels like, you know, I think the overall, the overall arching thing is oneness is, is really seeing yourself in everywhere you look, right. We're all connected. There's an interconnectedness. And I think that moving towards connection is so important in a world that has so traditionally been creating division. Like I don't even watch the news because it, it's just constant. Like it feels to me like fear and disconnect and all the things that I'm not breathing life into my world. Right. And I really believe in the power of intention and the power of attention and, and these two things sort of, they go back and forth. And so when we're, when we're really talking about uh, our children and supporting them, like, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's the self-love piece. It's the connection and being able to communicate. And then it's, it's the, the sustainability. It's being raised to live more harmoniously with our planet. Um, and, uh, you know, meditation. I feel like meditation is such a big part of my life. And I feel like there's so many different ways to meditate and really like, like flow states. So when I'm painting a picture, when I'm dancing, when I'm cooking, what, you know, there's so many things that I do that get me out of the mind, which many, many years have gone into healing the monkey mind and, and getting to a place where I can actually experience quiet and know that what's often being said up here is not me. And I can be the observer of those thoughts. And so supporting kids with tools of mindfulness. So whether that is meditation, or I know uh, Marissa, you're sharing with me about these amazing uh, ways that your school is starting the day, like with the circles. Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, absolutely. So we've um, begun using uh, classroom community building restorative circles within our school setting. So, you know, it can be done different ways, maybe starting the week or starting the morning just with a little check-in, but providing children with the agency to use their voice and start speaking whatever feels relevant to them. So it's done in a, a structured way often where um, one child is t talking at the time, um, 
really practicing that sense of respect and holding the floor and everyone honoring what they're saying and then moving on to the next person's conversation or or piece um, that they're contributing and by establishing this sense of I guess this practice um, then we can get into some really tough topics like when is the time that you felt unempowered or or felt like you've been bullied or who wants to share an opportunity where they can make a change in their life start thinking about I mean bringing it back to the cards like when's a time when you've been resilient starting to tap into that growth mindset and not keeping this fixed mindset of I am this I am that I can never be something else um so I think that's one way that we can start supporting our youths and starting to empower them in a way that is incremental and scaffolded and um feels like an entryway point and and get to a place where they're adults and they're recognizing what what they want in life and meditating and and um pursuing that next step uh, yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of growth mindset, you know, by that book by Carol Dweck is is phenomenal, right? And, and training that into kids because it's a learned behavior. And also uh, Sunflower talking about a flow state, you know, this can come through sport is one way, but it also can come through art it can come through anything where they're engaged. Right. And that's where a lot of these uh, forest schools are starting to pop up and a lot more um, home schools. Right. Because people are seeing this other way of learning. They want to take a little bit more control of the kids education. I think that that uh, is good and that's empowering and even community based education. Right. Because the, the more small it is, the more it can be tailored uh, to your children. When I lived in Whistler, for example, uh, I taught and volunteered boxing and a lot of the kids, they were in high school, but their whole life they had uh, a powder day. Um, where if it was a lot of snow in the mountains, their parents would allow them to go uh, snowboarding or skiing. Now, if there's a ton in a row, they wouldn't let them miss a whole week, um, but they would allow for one every uh, couple of weeks or sometimes more because they really believed in the power of outdoor education. Uh, these kids were very equipped. And as I uh, got older, I did a lot of traveling. And as I went to the mountain towns, I always asked the teenagers, did you enjoy where you grow up? Do you feel like you had a high quality of life or do you prefer to live in the city? 100% of them said that they were so blessed to live in a mountain town where that they could explore these things. And a lot of them had gone to the city because that was the big thing they weren't allowed to do, um, right? Because it was like they were they were mountain people and then there's the city people. Um, once they did that, they're like, the quality of life that we had and the ability to learn from the outdoors is so massive. Um, and it can be applied to anything else. If you can teach a kid how to learn, um, they can do anything. Now, as an adult, if I want to go to school for electrical engineering, I know that I have the capacity to do that, to do all the steps that will be necessary to learn that. Although, you know, I'm, I would be lacking in a lot of the academic subjects necessary. I know that I have the will and the time, the dedication and mindset to overcome those hurdles to get the education I need because I learned, I learned how to learn. And I feel like that's so important. And I'm curious if you guys want to just add on to anything else that we didn't discuss or, um, just around the future of education for kids, what other things can we do to empower these kids, whether it's from an educational standpoint or from a parental standpoint, maybe you're a parent and you want to figure out how to, you know, empower your kids. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys have come across that, that you'd recommend? Oh, completely. Um, oh my gosh. I just was going to say one point. Did you want to jump in? Oh, I was just going to respond to what you were saying about movement, Matt, like just like movement is medicine. And I'm sure you can relate to that statement. And when we look at schools, historically schools, there was no movement, right? 
And so that feels like a really important piece that gets to be brought in because kids are not like humans are not designed to sit at a desk hour in and hour, like just for hours in a day. Like that's just, that's just not supportive. I just want to add one negative thing. I said, I wouldn't do it, but here's a negative thing. That's important. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll, we'll allow it. There's one tiny one. Okay. So when you take a child or an adult, how many, could you guys sit eight hours a day at something you're bored at? Right. So they're taking children, forcing them to sit down, giving them little tiny breaks and then diagnosing them with ADHD and then putting them pharmaceutical pills, which create adverse reactions and then gets them on other medication for the rest of their life. So this is being architected in the way that schooling is being done because no kid can sit there. I can't sit there for eight hours, especially if I'm not interested. We need to integrate these other tools and, uh, you know, Athletes usually become high, uh, high performers. And in my school, we had the figure skating people and we had the hockey people, which were the athletes, right? Um, oftentimes they became, you know, they excelled in other programs as well and had a higher quality of life. So I just want to put in that, that negative thing, because it does create an issue where there is a solution when we say, you know what, maybe they shouldn't be sitting there. Um, it's also structured like living in a cubicle. So that's training. And it's also structured like jail. And when you put the kids, you know, six feet apart, wearing masks, uh, you know, there's a lot of harm that can be done. So it's a side note. Please go back to the positive. Oh, but it's, it's, an important, <laughs> it's an important side note. And I mean, for sure, like it is not, it is not nurturing a child. I mean, when I was young, I feel like what, what occurred was we weren't tuned into our diets. And so we would start the day with a sugary cereal and a glass of orange juice and basically like just bombard our system with all of this junk. And then we head off to school and we're like, yeah, sitting in a desk, like, like rocking in our desk, right? Can't pay attention. Um, yeah, duh. Like, and then, you know, like you said, like diagnosed with something like ADHD, which I was hundred percent diagnosed with that as a kid. And what was that actually? It was that I was a curious, like playful child that wanted to be out using my hands and getting my hands in the dirt and like doing hands-on things for, for learning. Right. And it's, it's just like, it's so wild like that's we that's where it feels like it's not maybe about like reforming the schools i feel like it's like we need like an education revolution where we like literally go in and like create a new kind of way to school entirely and like i feel like it takes a village and it's just like, I feel like it's an exciting time to be alive because I do believe that that's what's happening right now is like new, like new schools are going to be born and they're going to be done in a completely different way. And I think that it's going to be, you know, it's going to of course be learning, but it's going to be hands-on learning. It's going to be movement. There's going to be yoga. There's going to be all of these like using our bodies like every body has a body like let's move our bodies so that we can get like so we that we can feel good and we can raise our vibration through these things and so it's like oh like when I think about like how I would conduct a day for school like it would be so much fun 
<laughs> and full of all of the nuggets that need to be shared. So um, yeah, I just get really worked up about like what's coming and how we can like create a new way to school, like our little luminaries. 100%. Marissa, you want to add on? Sunflower School coming 2023. <laughs> We're going to be looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> down the line uh yeah I think that you know as as we both have been sharing there's been so much focus on um curricular knowledge and within the box thinking of do you excel at you know reading these comprehension questions and and doing the standard algorithm math setting and there's just so much more to that I think placing the focus on um internal skills as you were sharing Matt like resilience thinking more about stamina and perseverance thinking about um there's just so much that I think highlighting our internal qualities as opposed to solely what we're producing on paper is where we need to start. Um, so thinking what can parents do, what can what can the shift be in schools? I think providing more and more opportunities for exploring passions. Uh, uh, Sunflower and I were just talking. We're just talking recently about some of our most highlighted moments throughout our educational career. And they come back to those like field trips or those times away when you went to camp somewhere and got to like get out and do something different. And I think providing more, as you're saying, like the, the powder days, thinking more about getting outside of your routine and getting out and doing the thing that you enjoy doing. There is so much intrinsic learning happening within those moments. We're pursuing the things that we want to be spending our time on. And that's where your brain lights up. That's where you get excited as opposed to sitting there and being this like vessel filled with knowledge. That's old school. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. We want to really foster that collaboration and, and, and cooperation and self-expression. We want to yeah. light up the kids. We want to light them up. We're, it's, I feel like we're throwing away like we don't need to have school that's like literally just you know getting people to be able to take the test to get into college or whatever like we're not grooming I don't feel I don't want to move away from grooming kids to go to college and instead activating their unique magic and like supporting them in that yeah but a hundred percent and you know I feel like there's a massive opportunity for uh the way school is done for education and curriculums and, you know, we're talking, I think, in general around public school, um, there are private schools and other institutions that make it very different. So I had friends that went to private schools and there's a big variety of education. You can do that. There's also sports specific schools, there's academia and other places have already gotten this. But in general, the public sphere kind of gets down from the government. And as I said before, there's this bigger government agenda. And maybe you could say, you know, it's it's not good or bad. It's just the the basic you know, everybody's plan. It's not specific to a kid because we even have learning styles and we're talking about specific education. So we have the opportunity in communities to do something a little bit smaller because private schools can be very expensive. Um, I remember, you know, one story of this person that I met a, at a festival once, uh, his dad was very wealthy, but the mentors, his family picked through him. You know what I mean? And the way that he was brought up was not how I was brought up, not even close. And I was like, wow, the opportunity for learning and growth, even when I was in the mountain towns, the way they structured their education 
I thought was a lot more um, appealing and a, a lot more exciting because we're, we're looking at it. Like you said, what lights the kid up? Um, it's going to be engaged learning and you can learn other, all these other tools. But when you have like the one size fits all, you know, some people really thrive on mathematics, on organizational, you know, memorization and other people are going to be more creative. And so what is the opportunity we have as parents as community members and as educators, which, you know, Marissa is, and I support that. And the challenge that I've always had with my friends who are educators, it's just like this big one size fits all. We have great people. And so how do we uh, make sure it's a supportive for all kids? And that's where the challenge is, you know, in Canada, huge classrooms, and it's probably similar in the States. So you're running into all these educational challenges, which means that there's huge opportunity for growth for the parents, for the educators, and for the people on what's going to work best for kids. Um, and we have real world data for that, except for the public school. Usually, you know, you don't have the same private education, but we can take some of those pieces like mentors, like uh, um experiential learning, right? Okay, you're a little bit, you know, enjoying engineering a bit more. What can we do to get you engaged? You like the arts a little bit more. You like sports a little bit more. Um, and then fostering those and really empowering the kids. So um, do you guys want to add on to that comment? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. It has, it's not a one size fits all model. I think there have to be lots of different opportunities for expression and, and opportunities for families to access those. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like Marissa, you and I were talking about this recently of just like, what does it look like? Like, because I feel like right now when you're a child is, you know, a public, if someone's at public school, they're not really receiving that individualized support. And like, they're not being asked, like, how do you like to learn? You know, like, let's make sure that we're supporting your particular learning students style. Like, I don't, I think that's like not typically how it goes. And so, yeah, like figuring out how we can really be able to support kids and, and getting the kind of learning style that helps them to thrive and lights them up. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited about uh, the, that idea of, of children who are in the most perfect scenario for them to to really step into like their most potent version of themselves and you know I really feel like too like and this is just like my personal belief but like being willing to die every day like and what I mean by that is like like it's so interesting when we can be in a space of like constantly allowing ourselves to be reborn. And I think that that can be also like integrated into the school of like allowing for that creativity and that blossoming and like not needing to fit them into a certain box of like, Oh, you're this. Like, I think that we get to, you know, it's literally embodied in our first creation. I can be anything. It's like every day is an opportunity to try on a new hat to try on a new identity, to, you know, show up in a new way. And I think that like allowing for that flexibility and that fluidity within like the education system and within spaces of learning um, is, is gonna be like super powerful for the generations to come and for our future. Yeah. And more field trips for sure. <laughs> we were like, oh my 
my gosh, the best part of school was like when we were on field trips. Minus yeah. the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah every, everybody remembers that, right? And it's a huge, it's a huge opportunity. And and a lot of, you know, I know this from from my athletic background and also coaching a lot of kids. Um, if you have a, a troubled household, often it's a coach or something that becomes another role model. Uh, the other kids, right? You might not have that opportunity, but you have it through sport. And that was my experience, but it also uh, happens in art. It also happens in extracurricular activities that are not, you know, within the academic, you know, curriculum that is being passed down. There's these other things that make school worthwhile. You know, I even did uh, uh, the choir, which I'm not a singer. I was terrible. And, uh, but we got a field trip out of it. So, so many of us just did the choir and we were, became a little bit more musical, exposed to new things that we wouldn't have been uh, otherwise exposed to because we had this one trip. We had to suffer like months of choir just to get that one trip, but we didn't care. Like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go do this. Um, so actually my friend was visiting and he actually said that the, the teacher called him out for uh, lip singing. He just wasn't saying anything. And he just stopped everything. He's like, Joel, sing. It's <laughs> uh, hilarious. But you know, it just, it motivates kids. It makes it more fun. And, and that's what you want to see. You know, what, what would be the model for the most uh, highly advanced, supreme, best, you know, human education? you know, that we could provide. And I feel like the bar isn't even close, but we're also giving it to uh, government uh, regulated entities. And there's a lot of viewpoints. And so there's a lot of challenges in that. And so when we can, you know, look at it and, and get involved and then figure out whatever the solutions are, whether we take that education into our own homes or we do it in a community, we can fill those voids and we're doing it in some sort of way. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Uh, a lot of this uh, conversation is, was so important because I feel like the kids are the future. They obviously are. Um, I love when my Native Native American friends will talk about seven generational thinking, right? And uh, so I think that that's important, you know, we're making a better world for the kids. And so is there anything that we should speak about or that you wanted to bring up before we end this episode? Either of you. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, as we're talking about all these opportunities to help um, craft the, the opportunities that our children have, knowing that learning is a lifelong journey and we have that opportunity for ourselves as well is pretty exciting. Like we get to keep trying on those different hats or, or switching routes and continuing to be the best version of ourselves and our society as a whole. So it's, it's an empowering message. And I think um, one that carries a lot of responsibility and um, allows us to keep every single day trying to make a, a better difference. I love it. Sunflower. Yeah. I feel, wow, I'm just like so lit up right now just about like this conversation. Like this feels like the most important thing that we could be talking about, you know, supporting, supporting our children. Like this, that, I mean, obviously they're our future. And, you know, I think something that I'd love to mention is like, on this journey, like I've experienced a lot of situations with um, navigating mental health, like people in my life who are navigating like really tough mental health experiences. And that's kind of was like the driving force of me being so passionate about supporting like how we feel. And, and obviously like what I had mentioned earlier about the self-love piece, because really like as humans, I think innately, we really just want to belong. We want to be seen. We want to be appreciated. We want to be loved and we want to belong. And so when we know that, that that is like literally a, a, 
a desire of every person on the planet is, is, is even if they don't realize it, even if they deny it, like deep down, there's this like need to belong and feel worthy. Right. And, uh, yeah, just knowing that and feeling, (laughs) where was I going with this? Hold (laughs) on. There was something, there was something. Um, I think that it, it, it really is just like this conversation highlights the importance of cultivating our youngest generation. So they grow up feeling lovable and like they belong and are in situations where they have access to explore like the depths of their being and these innate gifts that I feel we are all born into these earth suits, like, and that it's like this adventure. It's like a mission, right? We, we get into these earth suits and we get to be on this adventure of discovering, uncovering like these, these, these innate gifts that we've been gifted with. Um, and so schools are so important and education is so important because we're not always blessed and like in terms of who we're born to. And so our parents might have not been on that page of like, maybe they, they don't have the tools. And so they're not able to navigate their big emotions. And therefore they're not able to teach you how to navigate yours. And so just like realizing that, you know, not every family household has, is equipped with what is necessary to, support a child in developing into the best version of that human and knowing that in that case it's so important for the systems that we put children into like schools like that that's all set up so that even if when they're going home their home is full of chaos and you know violence or whatever it is that they still are going to a place and learning the foundational stuff to really like nurture like their most incredible beautiful beautiful like human because i really believe that inside all of us like that there's that's alive in all of us and it's it's usually the situations that we experience through life that can make us jaded or like disconnected with our truest essence which I believe is love like I think that at the core of all of us no matter what terrible things you've done in your life I think the core of all of us is love and just like trying to come home to that to that love so Absolutely. And it reminds me of the idea that it takes a community or it takes a village to raise a child, you know, so there's a lot of really important concepts and, you know, of all the money that we, the government spending, uh, you know, much more could go to education and there's a lot of money being wasted in a lot of different places. So you would think that, uh, you know, if you were an alien perspective or something, another species observing the, you know, the human race or mankind or whatever you want to phrase it, um, you'd be like, oh, why isn't all their money on 
education. So there's there's things that need to be reorganized, but we can I feel like it's from doing the law summit and some of the other research, it's it's outsourcing. And you know, I don't think the government at all can be trusted. I think it's just this big uh, entity and they might be doing their best, but it's not particular for you. It's for an overarching agenda that might not be specific to you. So the more ownership the parent has, I mean, gives that ownership and accountability to the the child as much as possible. And if we can create public programs that are that are of the highest level, then that's fantastic. And if you're in the public school system, being engaged in the in the PTA meetings and all these other things, because I have been more engaged, and um, I could just say in Canada, uh, in particularly, it's it's atrocious. It's a hundred percent atrocious. It's it's predatory and it's awful, and it needs an absolute massive upgrade. And so, which means there's a lot of opportunity uh, to create solutions. So it's not to be oh, you know, just a victim of putting outside. It's like no, what can you be accountable from? Uh, what can you do for your children, for your family? for your community, for your neighbors. Um, and then people will resonate to that. And maybe you need to be the first one to be the leader to bring in just one small thing that's going to provide value or education or empowerment to the kids um, and not trying to fix the whole thing, right? I can't, I can't do public education for all schools everywhere, um, you know, but maybe I can, uh, you know, I can power my daughter and then hopefully her friends and other uh, people, you know, and, and the best thing you can do is to be that example in the world, right? So, you know, your own continued education, um, you know, to share that with others. So, uh, Marissa, did you want to share some final thoughts? Oh man, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. I am a team player like the honeybee. That is it. Like we are all in this hive together to create these little ooey gooey bits of honey around the world. And, um, yeah, I, I think in that essence of being a team player in this big hive, uh, we wanted to share a, a coupon code for your listeners, 15% off with the code Zen, Z-E-N, on our Little Luminaries website, where you can access these animal affirmation cards. We're going to be launching our Kickstarter on June 13th um, to help fund our high game and really bring it to life. Um, so we would love to to just spread this to all the little luminaries of the world, little and big, and continue these discussions. They're really potent and important. Uh, amazing. Well, I appreciate that. And if you have children, I highly, highly recommend getting the deck. It is phenomenal. My daughter loves it. And it is, you know, I know from all of the personal development and self-help and uh, hypnosis and mindset tools, what it's doing. And it's encoding really high quality characteristics in a very simple and fun way that's engaging for kids. To me, it's absolutely brilliant. So I think what you guys have put together is phenomenal. And I'm excited to see what else you guys bring to the world because the intent is there and it's such a an empowering thing to do for kids. And just one thing, there's not enough of this type of education or resource for uh, young children. So I, I applaud what you guys have done and just thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. My thank pleasure. So much. This has been so wonderful. Uh, thank you guys for everything you're doing. Uh, again, everybody check out the website, um, get that deck because it's awesome if you've got kids and uh, we'll just see you in the next episode. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> Bye guys. See ya. Thanks. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the incredible duo over at Little Luminaries. I hope that you enjoyed this show, and if you did, please share it far and wide. Uh, check out their work at Little Luminaries. It's amazing. If you have a young one, I highly recommend those cards. I use them with my daughter all the time, and she absolutely loves them, and I love ingraining those positive attributes into her mind when she's young. As we talk about the quote, uh, give me the boy until he's seven, and I will show you the man. So, absolutely phenomenal work, and I hope that many other people um, you know, do similar work and, and are inspired by this, because we need to 
empower our youth more than ever. Um, if you want to support this show, uh, go to mattbelair.com, become a member. You can do so for free or by donation. If you want to work with me personally, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. I'd love to hear from you. There's a variety of uh, work we can do, whether it's one-on-one coaching, some programs that already exist, um, or just generally to to chat uh happy to help however i can so just hit me up and um would love to hear from you so that's it let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world just up what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace compassion strength courage and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode